are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to this sixth episode of Locked On Dolphins here on this second week of training camp tonight. I say tonight, I'm recording. It's Friday, August 6th, 2021. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, Managing Editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, Director of Scouting Throughout Network.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and uh, can't stop till we get enough here mood and vibe and energy here on Locked on Dolphins. Went down to training camp for a couple of days of practice this week. Wanted to make sure we prioritize getting those takes out into the stratosphere as quickly as possible. But also wanted to make sure we hit some of the content ideas that I wanted to bring to everybody throughout the course of this journey in training camp. And I want to do kind of a snapshot update, especially here in the this week and next week, because I'm going to see the Dolphins up close, and then I'm going to see the Dolphins in the other two preseason games. I want to do updated projections to the 53-man roster uh, based on the original projection that we did, the way-too-early 53-man roster projection. I uh, want to provide updates as we go. I had two days of evaluation with the Dolphins in pads. Of course, I give you a bunch of takes on what that looks like. But ultimately, want to carry that over into the most applicable framing of that information that I possibly can, which is... Uh, of 53 men, an active roster projection. Now, remember, on game day, active rosters are expanded by two spots, but those are practice squad call-ups. They are not, you're not cutting to 55. You still have to cut to 53. You get the opportunity to protect, I believe, up to four members of your practice squad on any given week. Practice squads are expanded once again this year because of COVID-19. So, uh, there's more strategy than even in a typical year as far as cutting down your rosters. Uh, but we're just going to look at a 53-man show and, and make our best prognostication that we possibly can uh, as we have new information that I feel comfortable making judgments on. So, for example, I'm not particularly interested in just reading practice reports from other people and making judgments and doing a 53-man roster projection off of that. I've obviously evaluated these players myself, but now we're getting new information. I was in Miami for two days of practice. Next week, I'll be in Chicago for four days. I'll see the preseason game and one of the, the joint practices. The following week, we'll get the preseason game. The following week, we'll get another preseason game. So there's going to be new stimulus for me that's going to allow me to kind of tweak these, and that's the key word. It's tweak. If you caught the original 53-man roster projection, uh, you're going to be relatively up to speed on the vast majority of these names, but if you missed it, do not worry. Don't fret. We're going to say what my original projection has and what changes in each position room across the team uh, I'm making based on the here and now. And I can tell you the very first change, the 2021 way-too-early 53-man roster projection here on Locked On Dolphins had 25, 25, and 3. 25 offensive players, 25 defensive players, and 3 specialists. Kicker, punter, long snap. 
that balance has changed. There are 26 players on the offensive side of the football, 24 players on the defensive side of the football. Let's get into it. Starting first and foremost with the quarterback room, my original projection from a couple of weeks ago had Tua Tungvaloa and Jacoby Brissett making the active roster. Reed Sinnott looked fair on the, the days that I had a chance to partake in Dolphins practice myself and use my own eyes and judgment, but I have a hard time seeing the Dolphins carrying three active quarterbacks when you can cut Reed Sinnott, put him on the practice squad, protect him on a weekly basis, and call him up at any time that you need him for game day. Again, going back to strategy, I think that plays a role. So we're staying chalk at quarterback. Tua Tungvalu and Jacoby Brissett. The running back position is an interesting one. Uh, I had four originally. Miles Gaskin, Malcolm Brown, Savan Ahmed, and Patrick Laird. I do have a little bit of a change here. Dokes had a, two nice runs on, on padded practice on, I believe it was Wednesday. But I think you can kind of finagle the numbers game here if you're the Dolphins. Because uh, Patrick Laird and his role and value for this team is as a ball carrier who catches passes out of the backfield. He's not particularly good in pass protection. Uh, physical skills are, are modest. That's why he went as a UDFA. But he's stuck because he's smart, Right. So I look at the opportunities here, and I, I specifically look at the wide receiver room, who I originally had the Dolphins keeping seven. I have them keeping six now, but only because I have finagled my way to put Lynn Bowen Jr. technically as a running back. He has experience as a ball carry. He was an option quarterback, and I understand the Raiders drafted into play running back, and it flopped massively for the Raiders, so much so that they pulled the plug and traded him quickly after they drafted him in the third round. I'm not expecting Lynn Bone Jr. to be a ball carrier. I'm expecting him to make the roster as a wide receiver, but he can be your emergency ball carrier if you need one and a pass-catching option who can line up in the backfield. But he brings more than Patrick Laird from an athleticism perspective. And he also has a greater investment. The Dolphins traded a fourth-round pick to acquire Limbone Jr. You probably don't want to pull a plug on, on that guy after his rookie season. Had somebody asked me, why didn't you include him in the, the Thursday-slash-Friday episode talking about the rookie class? He didn't really pop to me. And that is a little alarming. And I haven't read a lot about him in those who are in daily attendance at practice versus me having a chance to go down for just a couple of days. But I think this team, if pushed, could and should get creative to find a way to retain Limbo and Jr. So I technically have three backs, especially when you consider Seathan Carter a tight end who I have making the team has experience as kind of a fullback, hybrid, backfield alignment type player as well. Gaskin, Brown, and Ahmed as the three true running backs. And instead of Patrick Laird, who I put on my original projection, I'm putting Lynn Bowden Jr. as the emergency fourth running back, but more importantly, the pass-catching option 
who has the ability to line up in the backfield. Six wide receivers now. We've obviously transitioned Limbo and Jr. for a bookkeeping perspective over to the running back room. Uh, the original seven that I had put down were Parker Fuller, Waddle, Bowden Jr., Wilson, Preston Williams, and Mac Hollins. I have six, again, because we moved Bowden Jr. over to, to technically the fourth running back. Parker, Fuller, Waddle, Wilson, and Hollins remain. I think Robert Foster can really give Mac Hollins a run. That's a flip-a-coin scenario for me. Hollins is better on pure special teams, though, so that's why I'm giving him the nod. But if you want a, a depth receiver that can be really good as a gunner but can give you probably a little bit more of a receiver... Don't be surprised if Foster beats him out. But I do have Jakeem Grant over Preston Williams right now. And maybe Preston Williams starts the year on the PUP. He's on the PUP right now. But even if he doesn't, Jakeem Grant has had a really strong start to camp. He had really strong two practices in pads when I was down there in Miami Gardens. He's put a lot of work, he says into tracking the football and his ability to receive the ball consistently. He's obviously more expensive than Preston Williams, but the entire idea of this team is to transition into having explosive playmakers with the ball in their hands. Preston Williams is not that. He's a traditional possession-type receiver, and his ideal role in this depth chart is to serve as Devontae Parker's backup as a big-body guy when you can have Mac Hollins or Robert Foster serve the same role. I press Williams off the roster right now. Tight ends. I originally had four down. Gasecki, Shaheen, Hunter, Long, Seath, and Carter. Durham Smythe's in a contract year. Originally ended him on the chopping block. He ain't going anywhere. I got Smythe making this team now. So for two days, and obviously the, the Dolphins and COVID protocol uh, had a bunch of tight ends on lockdown as a result. Um, maybe not a true accurate assessment, of how Shaheen and him could split those those reps, Smythe. Uh, but again, I, I do know this coaching staff has had nice things to say about Durham Smythe in the past. And he looked better in practice than I thought he played last year on tape. So that's enough for me. I have transitioned one of my wide receivers to replace RB4. I have cut the wide receiver room from seven to six. And I do have the Dolphins at this point in time keeping five tight ends, Gusecki, Shaheen, Long, Seath, and Carter, Durham Smythe. Durham Smythe is probably going to take the base inline tight end roles for the Dolphins at this point in time. Maybe not by the end of the year. Maybe Hunter Long takes that by the end of the year. But right here and now, Smythe's going to make the roster and he's going to play a lot of reps on early downs as the traditional blocker in the run game. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. So if you're looking for something delicious that's high in fiber and protein but low in calories and sugar with 100% chocolate that can replace a meal, come post-workout, come in the middle of the night, come in the middle of your 18 holes of golf, grab and go, eat it in, while you're driving the car in rush hour, you name it. Built Bar is your go-to. Top of the first round caliber protein bar. And right now you can visit BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your next order. 
on the world's most delicious protein bar. Go ahead and buy yourself a box, and you can thank me later. So to this point, through the skill players and the quarterbacks, uh, the numbers game is the same. It's just kind of reacclimating some bodies in different places. The offensive line is where there, there's two new names making the roster at this point in time. I originally had eight. Those eight were Austin Jackson, Solomon Kinley, Matt Skura, Robert Hunt, Liam Eikenberg, Michael Dieter, DJ Fluker, Jesse Davis. The updated, and, and I'll read them from left to right for the starting line, and then the, the depth is Austin Jackson, Liam Eikenberg, Michael Dieter, Robert Hunt, Jesse Davis, Matt Skura, backup interior offensive lineman, Solomon Kinley. I have Jermaine Illuminor, guard tackle flex. And I'm going to put Larnell Coleman down. Larnell Coleman got some first round or first team run with the team on Wednesday and held his own fairly well. I think in a perfect world, Larnell Coleman never plays a snap for the Dolphins on the active roster this year. But I was encouraged with what I saw as a seventh round pick out of UMass to say, hey, the num- from a numbers game perspective, turns out we're not going to have the positional versatility that we thought we were between Illuminor and Fluker. Fluker obviously was cut with an injury settlement. Liam Eikenberg not winning the right tackle spot at this point in time, being penciled in at left guard instead and pushing Solomon Kinley, who has no positional flexibility out of starting lineup, really kind of hurts what this offensive line could have looked like if Eikenberg was going to lock down right tackle. And they seem committed to not moving Robert Hunt back outside right tackle. So Eichenberg being penciled at a guard pushes a guy who's guard only into a backup role, which means you need a little bit more flexibility. So I went from eight offensive linemen to nine offensive linemen. Could UDFA Robert Jones push for that ninth spot over Larnell Coleman? Yes, absolutely. But I look at the roster, and who has tackle possibilities? It's Jackson. Technically, Eichenberg, although he's penciled in at this point in time to start at left guard based on the trend of the last week. Jesse Davis, who is projected as the starting right guard at this point in time. Jermaine Illuminor, that's it. That's it. You need more flexibility, so that's why I am keeping Larnell Coleman at this point in time as my ninth offensive lineman, which pushes the offensive total to 26. The defensive line... Stays chalk. I had seven originally. Wilkins, Davis, Sealer, Agba, Butler, John Jenkins, Jason Strubridge. I see no reason to uproot that group of guys who play exclusively with their hand in the dirt with the exception of perhaps Agba once in a blue moon. Right? I think that that group is fairly straightforward. The outside linebacker groups, the hybrid groups, I originally had four. I'm keeping the same four. Van Ginkle, Jalen Phillips, Brennan Scarlett, and Vince Beagle. We're staying chalk here as well. So that's 11 players on the defensive side of the ball committed to those who play vastly on the line of scrimmage. And that 11 players gives you a lot of depth up front, which is a testament to to what this group has. And quick sidebar, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention at all to the Chicago Bears this offseason. You probably have not in training camp. My expectations for next week in joint practices based on the injuries the Bears have incurred on the offensive line is the Dolphins should 
eat the Bears alive up front. They've got a ton of injuries. They're currently projected to start two rookie tackles, and one of those rookies, Tevin Jenkins, has an injury issue that he's battling right now. Miami should thrive and feast on Chicago's offensive line of one-on-ones. Period. Regardless. And that's including Van Ginkle and Jalen Phillips not dressing over the last couple of days. I'm sure there's some questions. Where's Shaquem Griffin? I do have Shaquem making the roster as a special teams guy. Uh, I classified him with the stack linebackers. I kept this chalk as well. Jerome Baker, Bernardrick McKinney, Duke Riley, and Shaquem Griffin. The hardest part about this was cutting Sam Aguavin. Aguavin looked really good in practice. But if I'm asking myself about the special teams role, which is what Griffin is predominantly going to play, he's faster and more fluid than Aguavin, which means he's going to be able to get down the field better and he's almost never going to take defensive snaps. If, if he ends up taking defensive snaps, something has gone horribly wrong on the defense. Elandon Roberts is on the PUP. Don't freak out. I have him making the team. He would probably pump one of these linebackers off when it's all said and done. Or perhaps a wide receiver. Or perhaps a corner. Who knows? There's an embarrassment of riches there. So everything through the front seven has stayed chalk on the defense. Baker, McKinney, Riley, Griffin at stack linebackers, Van Ginkle, Phillips, Scarlett, Beagle as your hybrid linebacker types, and seven defensive linemen, Wilkins, Davis, Sealer, Agba, Butler, Jenkins, and Strobridge up front. A lot of horses to work with. You really like what that group looks like if you're the Dolphins. And the only hard cut that I had, in my opinion, was looking at Sam McGuavin and figuring out, man, can I, can I find room for him? Because I have the luxury of stashing Elan and Roberts on the PUP based on the, the knee injury he suffered at the end of the year. Cornerbacks, I originally kept six. Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, Justin Coleman, Noig Benogany, Jason McCourty, and Nick Needham. Spoiler alert, I kept six. <laughs> I kept Byron Jones, Jason McCourty, Nick Needham, Justin Coleman, Noig Benogany, and Xavier Howard. I just wanted to, the, the, I couldn't pass on the opportunity to have a little bit of suspense. Howard's playing on this team this year. Dolphins have no motivation to trade him. Brian Flores came out with a very strong statement on Friday, said, we do not want to trade X. Saw a couple people reach and say, oh, it illustrates the disconnect between Chris Greer and Brian Flores, which is nonsense and nincompoop. They're in lock and step. I think it was because the quotes, somebody had quoted the quote as saying, I don't want to trade Xavier Howard. Brian Flores said, we do not want to trade Xavier Howard. He and Chris Greer are on the same page, and it's a very collaborative effort and has continued to be a very collaborative effort on what building this roster looks like. Don't let anybody tell you different. Do not let them tell you different. So six corners still. I've made no changes thus far, none, to the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, I added a player on the offensive side of the ball 
which means here in the safety group, we got somebody on the chopping block. I originally kept four. Javon Holland, Eric Rowe, Brandon Jones, Trill Williams. I'll let you do the math. Trill Williams I have on the cutting board. Perhaps a, a very strong practice stash. Um, I do have Clayton Fejdala missing the team as well. About $2.5 million in savings to be had there. And if you're keeping guys like Shaquem Griffin, who can run 4-3-something in the 40 and get down the field, you don't need a safety for a special teams role, which is effectively what Clayton Fejdalum is going to play. And you have a ton of depth. And McCourty's getting cross-trained at safety, which helped make this decision for me to cut the fourth safety off. So I have 26 offensive players, 24 defensive players, and the same three specialists, Jason Sanders, Michael Pilardi, who was dropping bombs. Excuse my French. Dropping bombs on practice this week when I was there. And long snapper Blake Ferguson, who the team drafted on day three in the 2020 NFL draft. Starting the year on the PUP, Elan and Roberts, who's on the chopping block when he comes back. That's probably You're probably looking at the wide receiver room. You're probably looking at the tight end room. You might be looking at the offensive line. And that would bring you back to that 25-25-3 split. We will be back ourselves on Monday with another episode of Locked on Dolphins. I sincerely hope you guys enjoyed. I loved bringing six. Don't tempt me and don't tease me with a good time and don't twist my arm. But I enjoyed six episodes this week. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And next week... I'm hoping to have a very special guest on with me for one of the days of Locked on Dolphins. So if you do think I talk too much, and I get that quite a bit, (laughs) you might be in luck. One of the episodes next week may have a very special guest, former Dolphins player, somebody a a chance to sit down and talk with during practice, uh, during the course of my trip to South Florida this past week to to partake in training camp. Uh, So hope to have an update for you there in the very near future, as well as next week, an update we have the media slots filled on the Dolphins Challenge Cancer Fantasy Football Challenge fundraiser. We're raising $1,600 for Dolphins Challenge Cancer, a $100 donation to the league for all 16 participants in a fantasy football league with some of your favorite Miami Dolphins media personalities and presences on social media. We got Ian Berger, Dolphins Fan of the Year. We got Jason Sarney. We got Kyle Krabs. We got some other guests we're going to reveal next week. We got a great group. We got some plus ones already filled. Somebody's going to get locked on Dolphins as plus one, and I'm paying your admission fee for you. So we'll talk about that next week as well. Kyle Krabs, keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Thanks as always for listening. Cheers. Have a great weekend. Look forward to talking to you guys on Monday.